Chapter Thirteen of the Heart's Kingdom. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. The Heart's Kingdom by Maria Thompson Davies. Chapter Twelve. The Tenacious Turtle. It's Martha Stray. The big man gasped in a kind of impatient alarm. I just left him here a minute ago to go front. Together he and I started around the long room with its bar on the one side, backed up by a mirror whose gilt frame was swathed in mosquito netting, and on either side of which were shelves bearing pyramids of bottles. On the bar at the one end were piled oranges, and at the other lemons and limes, whose sophistication seemed out of place somehow in the settlement in the Harpeth Valley. All the trappings that I judge would go to the dispensing of liquor were present, but our eyes could discover no small child, and we stood together and waited anxiously. He got me toe, me toe, and won't let go. He's chewing it off. At last came a lusty yell from just outside a back door that led into a side yard from behind the bar, and with one accord the proprietor of the last chance and I ran to the scene of the devouring. And as we ran I heard a door slam in the room's back of the bar, and we met Martha face to face on the scene of action. I shall never forget the picture that confronted me there in that little back yard upon which the bar of the last chance opened, and I somehow never want to. On a little grass plot a small boy danced and yelled, and firmly to one of the capering feet was hung a huge mud turtle which was flapped this way and that by the strenuous young leg, but which held on with apparently every intention of letting only the traditional thunder loosen its grasp on the pink prize. "'Stand still, you stray, and let me get at the varmint,' commanded Jacob impatiently. "'Let mother get the beast, sonny,' pleaded Martha as she knelt on the grass and caught the dancing boy by his arm and brought his dervish gyrations to a halt." I stood unconscious of intrusion and absorbed with interest, and watched the operations begun on the tenacious turtle and the writhing toe. Neither of the three principals in the action noticed me at all, as Martha held the boy and Jacob bent and took hold of the turtle in his hard, browned, spotted shell. And as the operations for his liberation were begun, the small boy became both still and quiet, and I was able to get a good view of him as he leaned against his mother's shoulder and held the foot out to Jacob. As I looked at him, something queer stirred in me with a sharp pain, and then was quiet. He was the most delicious bit of five-year-old humanity I had ever beheld, and I doubt if any childless woman could have seen such a child cuddled to another woman's breast and shoulder and not have had something of the same thrill of pain. His whiteness and pinkness and sturdy chubbiness were like many other infants' charms, but his jet-black top-knot that ascended on one side and cascaded over his ear on the other in a hauntingly familiar way, his violet eyes under their long lashes and his clear-cut, firm, commanding mouth that curled into the bud of a rose as he sobbed and then unfolded into lines of beauty and strength as he hushed at his mother's comforting, were not like any other human I had ever beheld. "'It hurts, it hurts,' he sobbed. "'Hush, you mustn't cry,' commanded Martha, and there was a little bitter emphasis on the you that cut me. I didn't exactly know why. And immediately the curled mouth was set in a firm line, and the long lashes winked back tears. "'The beast will not leave go at all,' was Jacob's verdict, as, after a careful twisting and turning of the ugly turtle, he rose to his feet. "'And they do say to kill it lets a venom into the place it's hold of. I don't know what to do.' and in his uncertainty jacob's eyes sought my face while at the same instant martha lifted her wistful eyes to mine it was the instinctive turning of the masses to the domination of my class in the time of need of leadership you get it lady suddenly demanded the kitty and in his voice and glance there was none of the deferring to a superior force that i felt in the others but a decided command of that force and as he spoke he stretched out an imperious hand that caught and clung to mine get down and get it he again commanded 
"'Have you any ammonia, Martha?' I asked, my wits responding gallantly to the sudden demand upon their biological knowledge. "'I've got some in the chist behind the bar. Times I uses it strong on heavy drinks,' responded Jacob, and he went quickly into the bar and returned with the bottle. "'It's customers in the grocery and customers at the bar that I'm keeping waiting, fooling along with the brat and the varmint,' he grumbled. "'I can manage the turtle, and you can go and attend to the customers,' I answered, thus assuming calmly the command of the craft of the last chance. Jacob immediately took me at my word and disappeared into the bar. "'Let's take him and lay him on the bed so we can muffle the turtle in a towel while we use the ammonia,' I said to Martha. "'Yes,' answered Martha. "'That will be best. Let mother carry you, Sonny.' And Martha bent as if to lift him in her arms. "'I can hop,' the young sufferer announced. "'I'm too big to carry I am,' he added, with proud consideration in his glance at Martha's frailness. "'I'll carry you, and mother can carry the turtle,' I answered, and to prevent further delay I lifted him in my strong arms, while Martha took the turtle in her hands, protected by the gingham apron that she wore. The black head wilted against my breast, and the serious young violet eyes were raised to mine in frightened confidence. "'It's a mighty big turkle,' he faltered, and snuggled closer. "'We'll get him,' I reassured, as I laid him on a bed in a room that opened, as did the bar, out on the tiny yard. And as I had promised, we performed upon that stubborn turtle. With a convulsion, as the ammonia fumes entered his nostrils, if he had such things, he let go of the toe, shuddered, and withdrew into his shell to die, I supposed, though afterwards I learned that he crawled off in the night, much to the kitty's grief. "'That's a bad smell, poor old turkle,' was all the thanks I got as the sufferer climbed down from the bed and proceeded to seize his late enemy in intrepid and sympathetic hands. His mother rescued both him and the turtle by placing the latter in a bucket on the table at the window and giving the rescued another bucket to get me a drink of water from the well in the yard. "'Northeast, bottom corner,' he promised me with hospitality, shining from his entire face as he experimentally hopped out into the yard, then forgot me and the water entirely in making the acquaintance of a very dirty little dog that was barking at him through the fence. "'Oh, he's lovely, Martha,' I said, speaking from pure impulse, in a way that could not fail to carry conviction and melt the heart of any woman who possessed a treasure like that. "'I know he is, Miss Charlotte,' Martha answered with gentle bitterness, "'and that makes it all the worse for him.' "'It doesn't.' "'It can't be worse for anybody to be born as beautiful and strong as that boy is,' I answered her, and felt somehow I had fallen head foremost into my mission. "'I came down here to see you, Martha, and now that I've seen him, I—it's—it's it's a shame, all of it.' I ended by faltering with a total lack of the eloquence I felt. "'Yes, it's just that, a shame,' Martha admitted to me with a great hopelessness in her black eyes, "'and nothing can make it better.' "'Something can be done,' I answered hotly. "'You are young, Martha, and he's a baby. "'You can get out of it all, and you can get him out and begin all over. "'I—I'll help you.' "'And as I spoke, I took her hand in mine. "'Mine was brown and hard from tennis, and Martha's from toil, but they met and clung. "'I—I I tried that, Miss Charlotte. "'I had to come back,' answered Martha, and a bitter passion suddenly lit her pale face. "'I'm too young to be let go. "'Yet—' "'What do you mean, Martha?' I asked, and suddenly I felt that some kind of chasm had yawned at my feet that I had never suspected to exist before. "'Don't ask me, Miss Charlotte,' Martha answered, as the passion died out of her face and voice and the sorrow fell over her like a shadow. "'Do you remember that afternoon at Mother Spurlock's when we were ten, and you climbed the tree and got the apples while I picked them up for her to make apple turnovers for us?' I asked her suddenly, as I held on to her hand when she tried to draw it from me. I cried for a week to go and see you, Martha, and it was all wrong that I wasn't allowed. My mother would have let me come if she had been alive, but Mammy was an ignorant negro and didn't understand. I cried for you, too, answered Martha, as the saddest smile I had ever seen came across the darkness of her face. And when you was a young lady, I crept up to the south window of the poplars and saw you in your dress for the big coming-out party. You were like an angel from heaven, and I loved you. 
I wanted to be like you. All us girls did. They have always envied you and watched you, but I loved you. I did. I did. But what chance has a girl like me got against a man who's like, like you are? But I did love you. I did. It doesn't seem right to, to either of us to have to keep us apart, I faltered, as Martha suddenly slipped to the floor at my feet and put her head in her hands. Don't be kind to me. I can't stand that. You mustn't. You mustn't. You wouldn't if you knew, she sobbed. I am going to be. That is, I am going to help you, Martha, and you have got to show me how. I answered her, as a kind of determination that was stronger than any like emotion I had ever had came over me. Tell me what to do, Martha, for you and, and for the kitty. I commanded her with my usual imperiousness. Miss Charlotte, said Martha, as she suddenly rose to her knees, looked up into my face, and bared her shoulder with one motion of her hand. That black bruise is from the licks father gave me when I wouldn't tell him why it was I came back after I went away, and why it was I went. He beat me three times to make me tell me whose that boy is, when he wasn't a month old. He knew that Mr. Goodloe helped me to go away three months ago, and, and begin again, and he don't really believe that the parson enticed me back. The gang just put that in his head when he was drinking. He does think that Mr. Goodloe knows about it all, and I'm afraid, afraid that at some time, when he's drunk, he'll try to make him tell, and, and there'll be murder, maybe double murder. I can't tell you anything. I'm a fly caught in a web, and I'm being drawn down to hell. I thought there was a way out. The parson prayed with me, and I saw it. I saw myself right and honest again, but, but at a word I, I came back. Even the good of the child couldn't hold me when the, the calling came. Please go and leave me, and forget about me, and, and don't come down here again. No, Martha, I must help you, I answered decidedly. I had never been able to bear any kind of frustration, and this made me doubly determined. It's too late, Miss Charlotte, but—oh, it ain't too late for some of the others—Luella May and Sadie Todd and the rest. Miss Charlotte, make the town men let em alone, and stop the Saturday night games and the dances down here. You can do it. Pa would kill me for saying it, for it is then he makes his money, but it isn't fair. It isn't fair. You town women do the same things, but you are protected and looked after. When Grace Payne gets drunk at your country club, you take her home yourself and see no harm comes to her, and the men she's with protect her from themselves. But it's not the same with Luella May Spain and, and me. How did you know about Grace, Martha? I faltered with terror in my heart. I felt a kind of class nakedness that made me burn with positive physical shame. They all watch and talk about what you do, Miss Charlotte, you especially because you are more beautiful and more more strong than the rest. They all said you'd smash our going to the church meetings with the town folks at the country club when you got home. But I always stand up that you are right, and you are. The town on the hill and in the settlement and in the valley are better, better apart. That's why I'm begging you to go and leave me to fight it out or go under. Please go. Oh, but Martha, I didn't. I, I don't. I was beginning to falter a denial to what had suddenly struck me as truth, when we were interrupted by the advent of Martha's child, the stray, as I afterward found was the only name he possessed, one cruelly indicative of his relation to the social structure of the world into which he had involuntarily been born. "'Bottom of the well, northeast corner,' he said, as he set a bucket of water at my feet with a jolt that dashed a small wave over my white buckskins, and he held out a dipper full to me with a little twirling motion that sent another wave on my skirt, and which had an unmistakably professional knack to it. I have seen old Wilkes set down beer steins and cocktail glasses with exactly that twirl ever since he has officiated at the lockers and sideboard at the club, and I now know his motions had the latest last-chance style to them. Thus, by gossamer links and steel cable— the town and the settlement seemed to be held together. 
"'Excuse me for spilling the water on you,' added the young scion of the bartender with grave courtesy, as he held a very dirty little patty under the drip of the dipper and elevated the drink for me in such a way that I had to steady the small hand that held the handle with mine as I drank. "'Oh, son, how careless!' Martha was just exclaiming, when a call in Jacob's sharp voice interrupted her. "'Martha! Grocery!' it commanded her, and I was not sure whether he was ignorant of the fact that I was still her caller, or was interrupting her on purpose. I think Martha shared the same uncertainty. She blushed and looked both ashamed and frightened. "'I'll go now, Martha, out this door that leads on to the street,' I hastened to say to relieve her of the dilemma. "'But I'm coming back to you,' I added with a determination, as I made ready to slip out the side door of the last chance into regular underworld style. "'Please don't, Miss Charlotte,' she called as she was passing through the other door into the world from which I was escaping. The sad significance of our two exits struck me so forcibly that I was two blocks away before I really became conscious of things around me, and then I was brought back to the squalid street of the settlement and its surroundings by feeling a damp little hand slipped into mine as I strode along. "'Please take me with you, Miss Lady,' the stray pleaded, as he ran along beside me, trying to keep up with my long steps. "'I've got me a dog now to keep off turkles from me and you.' and the slinking brindle bunch of ears and tail and very little else at our heels regarded me with the same brave entreaty he and the stray indeed presented a picture of chivalrous attention as they stood regarding me but what will your mother say i asked of my small human attendant with conscientious contention against my desire to take them both with me on out of the dirt and the heat and the flies and other swarming young humans up into the coolness and shade and loneliness of my own life she has groceries all day and has to forget me, he answered calmly. You can bring me back to bed when she is through. And to this plea was added a pathetic wag of the brindle tail. Well, I'll take you up as far as Mother Spurlock's and give you both the tea cake, I capitulated as I started again up the street of the settlement toward the haven of the town. And as my escort and I progressed through the settlement, I could see the most violent signs of interest being manifested in all of us. Dirty, sweaty women, with their sleeves rolled up, came to the doors to look at us, and as I greeted them one and all with a nod, they smiled back with pleased astonishment. I had never been down in the settlement before, but most of them spoke to me by name, and one toothless old woman hastily broke off a bloom from a struggling geranium, came to her rickety gate, and offered it to me with an admiring smile. "'Bless my soul, Miss Charlotte. Be you a kidnappin' Martha Stray?' she asked, as I accepted it with enthusiasm. "'He and the dog are kidnapping me as far as Mother Spurlock's, and then they'll let me go and come back,' I answered with a laugh as we started on. Not once had the strong little fingers let go of my hand as we stood and talked, and they only held the closer as we started climbing the long, hot, dusty hill to the little house by the side of the road. But in the long climb not once did the sturdy little legs lag or the small arm drag on my strength. The clasp was one of equality and affectionate attraction, not of dependence. End of chapter 12